Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Weird House Cinema. This is Rob Lamb. And I'm Annie Reese. That's right. <laughs> Can Annie, I just jump in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the, that's perfectly uh, perfectly fine. That's the way to do it. Yes, everyone, it's Annie Reese of Stuff Mom Never Told You and Saver. Um she is going to join me as my guest co-host today, as Joe is still very much on parental leave. Uh, and we kind of had a back and forth about what to discuss here. And eventually, there was just no denying the appeal of 1995's Congo. I think it was my first option. And I'm very sorry if I overwhelmed you, because I do love movies. I do love bad slash weird. I don't want to put them in the same category, but I do love movies mm-hmm. that kind of make you raise your eyebrow like, huh. Um, so when you asked, I was super excited and immediately sent you, I think like 15 suggestions, <laughs> but Congo was the first one. And I hope Joe's not mad that we're doing it without him because I've talked about Congo with him. Um, mm-hmm. But it is just something... That is hard to explain. And in fact, last night I was going over some of your notes and I was laughing aloud at your notes because it's just a strange film. (laughs) So much of it is hard to describe. And I kind of love that about it. I'm kind of endeared by how strange it is, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's one of those films where, on one hand, I I can't imagine Congo is anyone's favorite movie. No. And yet it's... 
it's hard not to love at if not parts of the film or the whole film uh, itself you you've still got to admire sort of the uh, the guts to try and put together something like this like this was it's it's like a throwback to older jungle adventure movies but with the the high tech michael crichton edge to it and i'm not sure ultimately anybody was really clamoring for this but it's it's hard to argue with the, the fun results here yes yes i think that's it's such a it's a movie that continually is asking you like well, don't ask too many questions. Uh, just come mm-hmm. along with this journey. We don't have to explain this. It's just going to be fun. And it, it's, it does end up being very fun, even though at the end you're like, but wait. <laughs> <laughs> and it just like switches genres a million times. It's never entirely clear like what it's trying to be. It's very obviously in the shadow of Jurassic Park because mm-hmm. it had come out in the wake of Jurassic Park. Um but there's something about about so much of the acting in it that is just full-hearted, despite mm-hmm. what is going on around. <laughs> like, maybe even because of what is going on in the script. That is just hard not to kind of, it just kind of wins you over. You're like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's go yeah. on this journey. <laughs> It has it has a lot of energy and it has some great performers in it who mm-hmm. m- many of which really decide to chew the scenery, which I think is the right impulse for a film like this. And then yes. yeah, the genre I wouldn't I won't say it's necessarily genre confusion, but you there are elements of this movie that are kind of monster film and and, and perhaps even seem like they might venture into horror. Uh, but there's also plenty of stuff that's just kind of this old-fashioned, essentially like a Jungle Cruise kind of adventure. And um, and if, if you go in just hungry for the killer gorillas, you get a little bit at the beginning, but then you got to wait a long time before you get back to them. I think I read... I read an article that said if you're for a movie that was like promising killer gorillas, you only really get them at the 100-minute mark. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just constantly like... But wait, where? Okay. <laughs> but then they, they, and then ultimately, I guess, yeah, they're not on screen a lot, but there are a yeah. lot of gorillas oh. on screen uh, yes. when they are on screen. So you, you do get to see a lot of really amazing gorilla costumes. And I'm, I'm a suck, I'm a sucker for a bad gorilla costume. Much, yes. and you bring a great gorilla costume and I'm totally on board. Yes. And, I, if you would allow me, I would love to tell the very complicated story of how I saw Congo. Oh, let's hear it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so come along with this journey. This is, oh, so I, one of the first movies I ever saw in theaters was Jurassic Park. I snuck into the theater. I was like three or four. <laughs> I should not have been there. And I had a nightmare about raptors that night. And I couldn't hide that I had seen this movie because it became very clear. So I got in very big trouble for it. But I loved the movie. And after that, uh, I became, once I got older, I read a lot of Michael Crichton. I really liked Sphere. I think my interest was sort of um, reignited in the 2000s um, after Lost because there was a big Lost theory about the book Prey. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So I started reading it again, and um, somehow Congo never entered this year. I did not know it was written by Michael Crichton. I, because I'm kind of gullible and sometimes terrible at deciphering sarcasm, uh, had been told that Congo was an Oscar-winning movie <laughs> and like best film level. Okay, so I, 
I thought it was going to be this really dramatic, sad take on, I don't know, diamonds and or gorillas in Africa. Uh, which, by the way, that is one thing that does not age well in this movie. <laughs> um, so I was preparing it for it to be a really emotional, sad film. And because of that, I had put it off. I'd put off seeing it for years and years and years, still not knowing it's Michael Crichton. And so at the beginning of the pandemic, um, when it's like, oh, gosh, I'm just going to have to start. I'm going to stream everything because that's what I that's what I have to only left to me to do. I was with a friend of mine, a very, very good friend of mine. And I was like, you know what? Tonight's the night. I'm going to I'm going to do Congo. I'm going to stream it. I'm going to be sad and it's going to be great. <laughs> and I, so we kept putting it off even into the night. And so it was like 2 a.m. And I was kind of tipsy and I started watching it. And she went she went to lay down in a room next to me so she could still hear me. But she wasn't watching it. So what follows was me desperately trying to make sense in my head about how this could be a best picture Oscar movie <laughs> and me shouting at Katie like, oh my God, Tim Curry showed up and he's got some accent I can't explain. And her being like, what? And me being like, oh my gosh, there's a, there's a talking gorilla and it likes martinis. What's going on? And just like my brain desperately trying to make this make sense. And I think it's a real testament to like, what you think a, a movie is when you go into it, uh, of mm -hmm. how hard I was trying to, well, there's, I mean, surely it's something, I, I, maybe I'm missing something or, and so I, it wasn't until the lasers, lasering of the gorillas at the end <laughs> that I was finally like, I'm not sure this movie won any Oscars. <laughs> and then when they escape in the hot air balloon, I was like, Katie, they're in a hot air balloon. <laughs> I don't think I don't think this was an award-winning movie at all. And so then I desperately like go online and I search what is this movie? And to my delight, I found several, several articles about it that were like exactly that. What is this movie? Um, and I read them all and then I said, We are watching this again, and I need you to witness what I just saw. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like only a couple years ago I saw it and I just it still left such a mark on me because I was the whole time what is going on here <laughs> oh wow that so yeah if you go into 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 the film Congo expecting one of those and then there were I believe several like serious uh films that came out um and at least in the decade that followed, dealing with uh, like serious dramatic scenarios in Africa, uh, this is this is not one of them, though. <laughs> yeah. No, but I can imagine, the, yeah, you're surprised when these various uh, speculative and fantastic elements begin to pop up. Oh my gosh, the hot air balloon! It's the funniest part to me is that I made it all the way to that part before I was finally like, something's off here. Mm -hmm. I think I've been told a lie about this movie and what it is. <laughs> Oh wow, that oh that gosh. is that's amazing. So the second viewing you had, that was the one where you went in having full knowledge of, yes. of what Congo was and what you were gonna get out of it. Yes. And now I've seen it several, several times and it's kind of a tradition a tradition with me and some friends that we watch it and mostly we just are like, look at what Tim Curry's doing. Because um, <laughs> he's really like you said, a lot of the actors are chewing up the scenery 
him and Ernie Hudson are just, oh, it man. feels like they're having a good time. And yeah, I hope so. Cause they, it's, it's shining through and it's so fun to just watch them have that fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking more about, about Ernie Hudson in a bit. Cause it is a, mm-hmm. it is a great Ernie Hudson role. Um, oh my gosh, perhaps yes. his best role. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, my, my history with Congo, uh, it very much connected to Jurassic Park, you know, because 1993 Jurassic Park comes out in theaters. I think I was 14 at the, that point. And like a lot of kids uh, of that of that age and that time period, like instantly you're, you're in on Michael Crichton books. You, you pick up a, a copy of Jurassic Park, you read that. And, uh, and they both provide very similar, but slightly differing experiences. And I remember my, my dad had read and was reading some Michael Crichton at the time. So we kind of had that to, to bond over. And I read, I read a, a series of them at the time. I think I read Sphere, uh, which I, I think I've mostly forgotten, uh, Eaters of the Dead, which I, I enjoyed a lot. And then the 1980 novel Congo, which of course is the basis for this film, um, so looking back on it, I think I was drawn in more to the the more fantastic of the Michael Crichton books, the ones that involved dinosaurs coming back from the dead, uh, cannibal cavemen attacking uh, Vikings, and of course this wonderful tale of uh, of strange lost gorillas and lost cities in the jungle and superpowered lasers. Of course, and diamonds that somehow you know that's one of my other favorite parts of this movie, and I am a big sucker for this period of technology mm-hmm. where I experienced it, I grew up with it, but it feels so outdated and kind of like wonky now. And it's yeah. clear that like the understanding wasn't entirely there. So I love the plot line of just like, don't ask too many questions, but this diamond <laughs> is how we're going to revolutionize communications technology and is necessary for satellites. Right. Yeah, the, the 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 techno aspect of the film is it's one of the the aspects of Michael Crichton's work that I think tended to set a lot of his stuff apart, especially from this period of his writing, because you had he had a real knack for like adventure and thriller stories, but then would would bring in this level of technology and technological uh, speculation. And uh, yeah, it made things feel more alive at the time. Some of it maybe has not aged as well, just because that's how that's how cutting edge sci-fi works. Is you eventually reach the period where you you, you read Neuromancer again, and you're like, whoa, they're sending faxes. Uh, yes. <laughs> that doesn't feel very cyberpunk, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, but it's just how it goes. Yeah, and I do love it. I mean, there's so many parts of this movie where it is very fun. Uh, which again, I'll I'll use that word a lot because I do think Congo is a very fun movie. Um, mm-hmm to look back at the technology and just smile to yourself and be like, well, (laughs) it was a different time and they were trying. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I mean, this is a pretty pricey film. I don't think it's the most expensive film that we've watched on, on weird house, but it's, um, it, it's, it's up there. It was a, a big summer blockbuster. And the weird thing is that it, it was successful. I understand it, it, Maybe not critically, but it made money at the box. I was people went out and saw it and they enjoyed it. And yet, it is it it is the the right level of blockbuster where it is sort of culturally forgotten by a lot of people, which allows someone like you to come around later and go into it not knowing exactly what you're going to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, such a lot of the articles I read before this, a lot of people said that like people are rediscovering Congo and asking the same questions I did uh, after watching it. And it is interesting because, as you said, 
people saw it and it had a huge marketing push, huge marketing push from what I understand. And I think there was a quote from one of the somebody higher up involved in the film that he basically said anybody who doesn't see Congo is a terrible person or something like they were really, (laughs) really hyping this. And I'm surprised that, yeah, it just I guess people were like, sure, there was this talking gorilla. Let's move on to another thing. But now people are rediscovering it, and um, it is, uh, it's just a ride. I'm excited for any listeners who haven't seen it to just, just describing the plot. That was one of the most fun things that night when I was watching it the first time and just shouting these random phrases to my friend in the other room. Like, I had to share it with her because this mm-hmm. is so bizarre to explain to someone. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it the story behind it is kind of bizarre too. Um, mm-hmm. I was reading a little bit about this. Like one thing we have to keep in mind is that coming back to 1980, the period uh, that the book comes out. So by the the late 70s, Michael Crichton was already a a, a big name, uh, both with books but also with movies. We'll get into that in a bit. But the story goes that he had this idea to do a modern King Solomon's Mines type movie, a modern jungle adventure but updated for modern audiences with lots of, you know, Michael Crichton techno stuff in it. And 20th Century Fox loved it. In fact, they loved it so much that they signed him to a contract to write the novel, the screenplay, and direct it before there was even a book. Uh, he signed, but then he got massive writer's block and had to use an isolation tank to overcome it. And that wow. is where Congo comes from. It emerges from the isolation tank. <laughs> That makes sense. (laughs) That makes sense. And he had some really, this original take on the film that he was going to do sounds like it was going to be extremely different. uh, And also kind of gave me the vibes of like, how is this going to get made? How are we going to translate this story to a movie? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there were there were some some issues early on, just like how would you create like the gorillas? And I think one of the reasons mm-hmm. they ended up making it, they're like, well, we've done Jurassic Park now, we can do anything. Let's make CGI gorillas. And I think it didn't take them long to realize that that a that wasn't really achievable, mainly because of the fur issue. But then also, <laughs> I think they encountered something that 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 filmmakers have have sort of have to re- keep reminding them, and that is gorilla suits absolutely work. Gorilla suits are great. You get a, a good physical actor in there who can move around properly, and and it's amazing. It it totally. It, in fact, it works so well. You know, you you'll encounter films like say Hellboy. I remember seeing some behind the scenes stuff with Guillermo del Toro where he's talking about creating these um, like secondary demon monsters that Hellboy battles, and he was like, well, basically, we said let's start with the gorilla suit and let's just monster it up, make it not a gorilla, but a demon. But performance-wise, it's essentially a gorilla suit because that absolutely works. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting because I do think, um, and I just watched a documentary about this the other day about special effects, and I, I do think it's interesting that like Jurassic Park was such this like touchstone in terms of technology, what we can do. And it was a lot, in a lot of ways, like, they had so many practical things, but they also had CGI. And so I think there was a lot of like, well, maybe CGI sounds cooler. Like this technology mm-hmm. is newer, so it must, must be better. And I think that we have seen and have talked about like CGI has obviously gotten a lot better since then. But 
in those early days, especially, there was something better. It worked better to have these gorilla suits as opposed to trying to do something with CGI. Like there, Stan Winston, who was behind it, like he mm-hmm. he created these, and I don't think I think it would have been much worse if they had tried to go a different route, especially because as we're going to talk about there, I I can't say it enough that this gorilla like drinks a martini. I oh, yeah. like we can't <laughs> I think if they had tried to CGI some of this stuff or gone a different way than gorilla suits, then it would be funnier in a way that they absolutely didn't intend. There are certain scenes in this movie where I'm like, I can't tell if you meant for this to be funny or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but if, if that they had gone CGI gorillas, it would oh. be an entirely different piece because there's plenty of stuff about this film that does feel dated, be it the sort of mm-hmm. high-tech stuff or the general like 1995 sheen that is over everything. And, yes. And like the film doesn't have like a visual um, vision, I guess, that mm-hmm. really supersedes that 95-ness of the whole picture. But the the gorilla suits, Amy, they, they all look very real. You still buy them. Like, they hold up even if there are other aspects of the film that don't. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? 
Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. So uh, b- before we, we go move on to the trailer and all, uh, one more thing I want to add is that, yeah, I very much remember enjoying the book. I did read the book first on this one. It's full of a lot of traditional jungle adventure story elements. Uh, but with the added laser technology, that's very much in there. It does get pro- progressively weirder uh, as you end up learning more about these mysterious gray apes and this lost city. And I think a lot of this ties into some elements of essentially what was kind of Darwin exploitation fiction of yesteryear. Uh, we see this in... Um, in the works of um, of, of H. P. Lovecraft's uh, uh, facts concerning the late author German um, J. E. R. M. Y. N. But also uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, he had uh, he had a, a, one of the Sherlock Holmes adventures called The Adventure of the Crooked Man, and uh, and then there's also it's also worth noting that the Lovecraft tale in question kind of links back to an Edgar Rice Burroughs story from 1916 titled Tarzan and the Jewels of Opar which also seems very it seems like it was probably a primary inspiration on Michael Crichton here because it concerns a lost city and it also concerns a group of human ape hybrids that protect it and all of these films uh, I mean all of these stories that I just mentioned uh they they all have elements of uh, human ape hybridity and strange things strange apes and sort of uh, evolution tinged danger yeah yeah, that's a good point. And I I do have a quote I want to read at the end, but somebody was reviewing it and was just asking, like, the monstrous gray apes in this, if you dig too deep into why they exist, <laughs> 
it doesn't really make sense. Um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really make sense at all. But that's true. Yeah, that kind of um, evolution gone wrong or maybe like even our fears around evolution and even some of those past uh, perhaps scare stories and sometimes not scare stories of experiments done with uh, humans and apes and like the Soviet Union and, and stuff like that. But oh, then yeah, you also yeah. had kind of the comedic tinge of, you know, Harry and the Hendersons. Like there was a lot yeah. going on in that genre actually or in that kind of specific idea. Uh, so that's interesting. All right. Well, it is, again, a jungle adventure movie, but with satellites and lasers. Let's go ahead and hear that fabulous mid-90s trailer audio. Activate the remote. In the race for the world's most advanced communications technology... A shocking discovery has been made. What was that? Lock your remote. Give me a thermal reading result to 6-6. It will take two young scientists into the heart of the African jungle. Where a secret hidden for 2,000 years holds the key to the future. This is Karen Ross. 81452 Houston, do you read? You used to work for the CIA, and now you're travel Some will come to it for science. This is a big deal, Charles. This is a big find. Some for fortune. A diamond mine of incredible bounty. And some to return home. She doesn't really belong anywhere, does she? No, she belongs here. Together, they will search. My boss, he thought I wasn't going to make it. He sent another expedition. Drawn deep into a mystery. Camp destroyed, people dead, a gray gorilla. No such thing as a gray gorilla. I saw one. And the more they discover... Same hieroglyphics over and over. The greater the danger. What do they say? We are watching you. Saw an animal move like that. Shoot it! Shoot it! How intelligent are they? See, they're smart. They're too damn smart. Watch out! Go! We're getting out of here. What about them? Put them on the endangered species list. From the best-selling novel by the author of Jurassic Park. The myth of the killer ape is true. Congo, where you are the endangered species. See, it sounds like it's going to be an adventure. It sounds like something that you're gonna you're gonna buy a lot of popcorn and cola for, and uh, you're just and, just and just try not to pee the entire time. There's a part of me that wishes I had seen. I think if I had seen the trailer and had no idea about the movie, I, I wish I I. I'm jealous I didn't get to have that experience, I suppose. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's actually, having seen it, it's a pretty accurate trailer. I was expecting something cheesier, to be honest, but it could be because I've seen Congo a lot by now. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, So it didn't have exactly the as much of the strangeness and dated vibe that I thought it would. And it does feel very much like, yeah, this is a popcorn movie. Um come out and enjoy your popcorn, have fun, and then go and yeah. home and forget about it, I guess. 
Yeah, um, I, I don't know that much of the film really stuck with me. In fact, I, there are elements of the film that I remembered as being different because of the book. Like I just ended up assuming that the parts of the book were uh, were accurately depicted in the film, and so I just remembered the film as having those details. And uh, uh, we'll we'll come back to to what those are in a bit. But uh, if you are looking to have your first Congo experience or your first Congo experience in uh, decades. Well, lucky for you, Congo is widely available, even if, if it's partially forgotten, as much as a blockbuster can be forgotten. I watched it on a very old-feeling DVD that I rented from Videodrome here in Atlanta. Uh, there is a Blu-ray from 2014, and then there, and there are HD digital copies you can rent or purchase uh, online. But I don't think it's received a full-blown special edition. Uh, so there are no like real Congo extras out there floating around, which seems weird. It does I couldn't really get a a good grasp on that? I own the DVD uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I never wanted to be without it after that first time watching it. Um, but it is one of those things where I honestly feel like most of the cast gave it their all. They really oh, did. Yeah. Um, but it's it's also got the vibe of like, okay, we did that. Let's not talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, I do know Ernie Hudson has said he would reprise his role as oh, Monroe. Wow. Uh, oh, Monroe that would be Kelly. great. I know. Oh, but I'm not sure like if there's any talk at all about a sequel. <laughs> I just know he said that he would do that. Um, but yeah, and like you said, it was it was financially successful, but I think it wasn't because of the critical review which was not good if we didn't make clear, but I think we yeah. did, but um, it was not good um, because of that. And I don't think it did as well as they wanted, even though it did way better than it should have given the reviews. Um, I think they've just sort of, yeah, put that one up on the shelf. Uh, let's just forget that that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it is speaking of reviews. Um, I had to revisit uh, Roger Ebert's review for the film because it's a pretty fun review. It's a three-star review, to be clear. So he didn't he didn't go beyond three stars on it. But it's also kind of a glowing review of the film. Like he has a he has a lot of very nice things to say about it and some of the performances. Uh, so I'll 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 call back to that review a couple of times in a bit. Yeah, I read that too, and I I was amused by it because I was expecting it to be negative. But he kind mm -hmm. of seemed to. I hesitate to say get it because. <laughs> I mean, he kind of seemed to be like, you know, this is just, it's a fun movie. It's got its issues. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I had a good time watching it. Yeah, Ebert, Ebert would would definitely fall on, on, on that line for various film reviews. If it was just the, the right type of kind of weird film or pulpy mm -hmm. film, like he, he would he would view it favorably. Um, so, yeah, I find myself agreeing with Ebert a lot on, on certain films. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, well, let's get into some, uh, we've discussed some of the people already, but uh, just to, to go through the list, and I think some of these will especially, uh, the behind the scenes uh, names will help us sort of make sense of like what Congo is. And I think, uh, you know, pointing out that, that Frank Marshall, uh, born in 1946, is both the director and the executive producer, this feels kind of key. Because 
Marshall, primarily known as a major Hollywood producer. And while he's not involved in the current Star Wars stuff with his wife, he's still very much a part of the Indiana Jones franchise, the Jurassic Park franchise, which of course keeps coming back to life and and emerging from eggs. Uh, various other film and TV projects. His direct as a director, his output has been far smaller. But uh, I, I think this is perhaps key. Like it, like if we think of the blockbuster as as not just a film, not just a like a piece of art, but this sort of colossal business project. Congo, I think, does kind of feel like that. Like, like, can you fault the fact that that Congo exists as a finished film and made more money than it, than it costs? You know, it seems to have been a um, a fini- financial success. It checks off all the boxes. You can't really fault it for that. You might fault it for vision. You might say, well, you know, it has this kind. Of, I've seen people point out what well, has kind of a like a TV almost look to it. It doesn't feel suitably cinematic enough, uh, etc. Uh, but th- there's no faulting it from a business perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it had all the ingredients there. And I do think the timing of this is important to keep in mind, too, because, again, it was a time when technology was shifting, when what people mm-hmm. had access to in terms of technology was shifting, when what people could do in terms of creating things with technology was shifting. Um, so I think it very much was a product of its time in that in that way where... You know, the idea of the blockbuster had been around since the 70s, but it it had kind of become a here's how you do it by that point. Yeah. But it also had these pieces that were changing um, in terms of the technology, especially. So it is interesting to me that they did stick with the uh, gorillas in suits, um, but also having these people that had been involved in one way or another, in this type of blockbuster business, as you say, because it's very much a business, um, it's it's seeing what came out of that. Um, because there are pieces, I feel like this is one of the things about Congo. Are, is there, it's all there, but it's almost like they weren't matched or they were like leaning in too hard at, in this comedic way at one point and too hard in this way. Like it was kind of like a blockbuster but not one that was uh, uniform, if that makes mm, sense. Yeah, yeah. Like there was a lot going on where they're like, oh, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this, which all can work in a blockbuster, but they did it from almost like three or four different blockbusters and kind of trying to jam it together. Um, mm. Yeah, and I can yeah. see where you might might chalk that up to, to, to Marshall and like, like what's the director's vision for it and how much of right. what works in the film is ultimately coming from all of the people who who give it their all for this performance or this bit of the the special effects, but still, at the end of the day, like Marshall is the one he's landing the plane here. He's the one bringing the ship to port. So, um, yeah, it's it, uh, it, it, it's, it's certainly have to give him credit too. All right. Um, well, Michael Crichton, we already mentioned him a bit already, but lived 1942 through 2008, probably one of the best known novelists of the late 20th century. And his work continues to, to resonate, at least with some of the franchises that he helped establish, particularly Jurassic Park and Westworld. Yes. Um, I, and I, I loved I loved Jurassic Park and I read all of those books. Um, and it, I, it is very because I'd seen the movie first. Mm-hmm. And reading Jurassic Park after you've seen the movie and Lost World after you've seen the movie, um, it is a lot more, there's a lot more attention to detail, a lot more technology, a lot more science. Um, 
which I guess uh, that makes sense in terms of what can translate to film, especially a blockbuster film and, and what can be in a book. But that, that was something that was interesting to me when I went back and read those books was, oh, wow, this is a lot more detailed mm-hmm. in terms of how this would actually work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as a novelist, he wrote several novels under pen names in the late 1960s, but then he published The Andromeda Strain. Uh, that came out in 1969 under his own name, and this propelled him into bestseller status. Uh, we've already listed some of his, his big novels, but he also entered into the film world pretty early, directing and writing five films between 1973 and 1984. Westworld, um, Coma, The Great Train Robbery, based on his book, Looker, and, oh, uh, are you familiar with Runaway? I'm not. Runaway is this stupendous film that stars <laughs> Tom Selleck as like a cop whose specialty is hunting down killer robots that are the work of the diabolical roboticist played by Gene Simmons of Kiss. Oh and <laughs> I mean, that's already enough. You got a, that's a yes. lot just going on visually with these two actors. But the tiny mm-hmm. robots in question, so don't, don't think... Um, like Black Mirror-esque scary killer robot. These things look like something you would see in a 1980s special about the future of robots, you know? These are about (laughs) as scary as the little uh, robot that came with the original Nintendo system that that puts the spinning discs on the controller. Oh, wow. You have sold me. (laughs) Yeah, so it's, it's it's worth coming back to. But uh, he also he also wrote 1973's Extreme Close-Up. He directed the 1980 Burt Reynolds movie Physical Evidence. Uh, he didn't write that one, but that was his final directing credit. And yeah, uh, it, Michael Crichton, again, I, I feel like uh, uh, you know some of his works may feel a bit dated tech-wise now, but a lot of it still holds up and is still very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But he did not write the screenplay. The screenplay credit goes to John Patrick Shanley, and this, this, I, I, I don't know if this actually played into your expectations of it being a serious-minded film, but I could see where it might have, because uh, this is a big name. I don't, I'm not familiar with it, uh, with his name. Um, I, <laughs> I'm glad to know that there could have been a legitimate reason other than me misunderstanding what I think was just a sarcastic joke. <laughs> Uh, so I will take that lifeline that you're throwing me, but uh, please tell me more. <laughs> well, j- just think of it this way. You're going into Congo and you, you, well, especially as a modern viewer of Congo or a recent viewer of Congo, you might well go into it and think, well, this is written by the guy who won an Academy Award for, uh, for writing 1987's Moonstruck. This is the guy who won both a Pulitzer Prize for drama and a Tony Award for best play in 2005 for Doubt, a parable. Um, he, and he also wrote Joe versus the Volcano, Alive, uh, and the 1983 animated film We're Back, a dinosaur story. But still, <laughs> a number of big films there uh, that, uh, especially when you're, when you're looking at the credentials here, uh, I could, and if, if this is the only name you recognize going into the film, you might think it's going to be more of a, more of a drama. I wonder if they, I'll have to go back and look. I wonder if they include that, you know, how sometimes they'll be like, and mm-hmm. coming from this award-winning, uh, writer, maybe they did include that. And I was like, ah, the proof. <laughs> I think <laughs> I've seen his be. name and I've watched several of the trailers and I'm not exactly sure which one of them we ended up sourcing here in the episode, mm-hmm. but at least some of the trailers mentioned him by name. So I think they were very much like, Hey, you liked Moonstruck? 
well, I hope you like Killer Apes because Congo <laughs> is coming to theaters. But only for a couple, like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you have to wait. <laughs> Get a taste in the beginning, but otherwise. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, well, let's get into the cast here because, uh, as we mentioned earlier, our lead here, our lead, our lead um, uh, star as well as the lead character is Dr. Karen Ross, played by the fabulous Laura Linney. Yes, uh, who I love and probably, uh, and this might be saying something about me, I don't know, but I know her best from... <laughs> Uh, the Mothman Prophecies. Oh, really? <laughs> that movie, <laughs> which I know is not. She is a great actor and has done like amazing award-winning work. And she did a great job in that movie. But that is the thing. When I was a kid, I loved that movie. I would watch it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember very little of that. I think that's one that was kind of on in the background for me. So I just remember mm-hmm. scenes of Richard Gere like standing, yeah, in the in the dark, and there was a bridge. <laughs> Yep. And there may be being not as much Mothman as I thought there would be. There yeah. is very little Mothman. This is true. I am somebody who does enjoy, as much as, I, as I've been making fun of Congo, I actually do really enjoy like kind of like mystery. They would do like flashes of Mothman. And if you like paused it at the right time, you'd be like, there he is. Like I liked <laughs> that kind of stuff uh-huh. a lot. So I think it worked for me. And it did really scare me. Um, I'm a very imaginative Still am person, so I think I got, I got all up in my head about Mothman. There was a screeching owl outside my window, and I was convinced it was Mothman. Like, um, and yet I do like scary movies, so I would watch it over and over again, even though it did scare me. <laughs> well, uh, at the time that this movie came out, Lara Linney I think was best known for Tales of the City, and also some smaller roles in various films. But of course, she's gone on to, I mean, I think a lot of people now know her for stellar performances in series like Ozark, John Adams, uh, the movie Kinsey, and many more. Like you say, she's she's a terrific actor. She's only gotten better uh, as, of course, she's gotten better roles. Because I I guess when you come down to it, even though this is the, the 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 lead character, this is the she's got the starring role here, and she does get a lot do a lot of heroic stuff. But she's a she's a tech expert. She's a CIA operative. There, you know, she's looking essentially for well, not a lost love, but a, a former love who is now lost in the jungle and and possibly dead. So it's not like there's no you know dramatic material to to sink her teeth into here, but also like how much room does Congo really give her to do that? Yes. Um, but like I said, I feel that these actors really did give it their all and she did. And I oh, yeah. watching it, um as a modern viewer who didn't really know what this was, but I knew it was from nineteen ninety five. Uh and I know we're gonna talk about this in the plot because I have a lot of thoughts about it, but I did find it really fascinating that she uh, was a woman who was an ex-CIA operative. She was badass. 
Um, mm-hmm. she had they like try to make this romance between her and the other like main male character that's not Ernie Hudson, who we're gonna talk about. <laughs> uh, but it, it they never try too hard, which I find yeah. really interesting. Um, and I do I really do enjoy that her Bruce Campbell very brief cameo, who was her ex fiance. It seems like they still care about each other, even though they're exes. Like there's just a lot of interesting stuff that women, unfortunately, in general, don't get, um, especially in kind of these blockbuster action roles. Mm-hmm. Like that, I did really enjoy, uh, and I really love her and Ernie Hudson together being kind oh, of yeah. like we're running this whole thing. Like I, <laughs> that's one of my very favorite parts. So. Uh, yeah, the role didn't give her, like, she can do so much more than that. And it was pretty limited in terms of what she could do. But I did like that she had these pieces that, again, are unfortunately pretty rare for a woman in a in a role like that, especially at this time. Now, she does have at least one really nice scene with uh, the, 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 the top-billed male uh, actor in the film. And that's uh, Dylan Walsh playing Dr. P- Peter Elliott. He's our primatologist who works with Amy the Talking Gorilla, born 1963. Um, he, they do at least have one really nice scene together on the airplane where we, we, were sort of, we see uh, Dr. Elliott's whole deal with Amy. And now she's on board and Amy is um, is like jealous of her presence. And yes. so there's kind of a spat back and forth about not only like how we... Uh, sort of like how we treat the natural world and and animals, but also like what is the purpose of this mission? And it's just a nice mm-hmm. little scene on the airplane. There's nothing really action-based going on. Yeah. Yeah, I do love the... Oh gosh, I can't wait to talk about Amy. But I do love <laughs> this kind of jealousy she has around uh, Laura Linney's character, Dr. Ross, and just parsing that... Mm-hmm. <laughs> is a fun thought exercise. <laughs> yeah. Now, now Dylan Walsh, he's fine in this. There's, I'm not going to knock his performance at yeah. all. And in fact, it's kind of nice that it's a performance that allows this character to fade into the background a bit and not 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 feel like he's an action hero that just is kind of pushed to the background by the plot. Like his role yeah. is there as 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 Amy's kind of like father figure. And um, and he, feel, he fulfills that really well. Uh, this is an actor mostly of television, including uh, the Hearts and Minds episode of the 90s Outer Limits, which uh, I'm not sure I've seen, but but looks rather good. He also appeared in such films as the 2009 reboot of The Stepfather and 2006's The Lake House. Uh, again, perfectly likable in this film. Um, yeah, no, no complaints. I agree. I, I also think it's... I like when we give uh, the so-called heroes of something where they don't have to be physical or like their their heroism isn't that aspect. So I actually do really enjoy that. He has some lines where he delivers them so well and they're terrible lines. Like <laughs> at one point he says, um, I'm a primatologist, not a pound of sugar. Like there's only so much he could have done as well. And I, I love that line. It is very funny to me, but I'm sure as an actor, you read that and you're like, whoo, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess it's kind of a thankless job in some respects. Like, to have an actor like this, your role is to 
is to at times make um, challenging lines believable, make this character believable, but in doing so, he's inevitably going to fade into the background compared to the more outrageous characters, such as Ernie Hudson's Captain Monroe Kelly. Oh, this, this character, this performance just absolutely rules. He delivers every line where you're like, I just want, I just want you, I just want this whole movie to be you. Yeah. He does it so well. He's so like charming and confident and just like overall unflustered, even when he is flustered. Like one of his favorite lines for me is when he says so to me hilariously, I ran away <laughs> just because he runs away from a charging yeah, yeah, gorilla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. I love that he kind of embraces, even after he told Dylan Walsh's character, like, you don't run away, but he mm-hmm. did it. I don't know. There was a lot of subversions with him that I very much enjoyed. And just the way he seemed to be having the time of his life with his character, um, it made it very enjoyable to watch this performance. Yeah, this is one of those performances where every little thing he does is so yes. entertaining. Like there's a there's a scene in the movie where they're just handing out little air conditioning units for the tents, mm-hmm. and he accepts one, and it's 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 great. Like nothing is yes. happening in the scene except Captain Monroe Kelly accepted an air conditioning unit, and it was it was so charming. Yes, yes. So much of what he did, he clearly like made the as an actor went through and made the like fun decision or the decision like he thought about his character and so there's a lot of times things are you just are like oh i pick up this air conditioning unit but he like thought about it and acted it and made it fun and memorable mm-hmm. like so much of his character is that and there's so many lines he he has that he delivers in a way that is I mean, he just immediately makes you like him. Like, it's just like, oh, <laughs> this yeah. guy is so interesting and cool. And I love when uh, Dylan Walsh's, Walsh's character has a leech on his oh, penis, yes. which I'm sure yeah, we're going to yeah. talk about. But he's just, Captain Monroe Kelly is just like, you deal with it. It's your leech. <laughs> I'm yeah, not gonna yeah. help you. <laughs> Passes him the, the lit uh, cigar or cigarette. Thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. When he sees Amy, he just immediately is like, sure, this gorilla wants something to smoke. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He puts like pills in her. But there's just something about him that rolls with the punches. um, Yeah. And does it in a way that looks very cool and is very charming. Very cool. Very charming. in, In Ebert's review... Uh, he did. A, he seemed to really love this performance as well, and he points out that like there's a little bit Clark Gable to this performance. There's a little bit Stuart Granger. It's a droll performance, and the character has both sardonic detachment but also heroic courage. So he's, you know, he's he's uh, he's kind of right there in the middle. He's 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 kind of a rogue, but not not to the point where you're like, can we trust Captain Monroe Kelly? They're not playing that game with this character. And uh, um, yeah, he has his he has his flaws, but they're not tragic flaws. Uh, just a delight to watch on screen the whole time. Yeah, and that is one thing that Congo did that I can't really get a grasp on if they did intentionally all the time, but they did subvert a lot of like action movie tropes in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they leaned into a lot of it, but a lot of it they did they took things in a way I wasn't expecting. So there's a scene towards the end where um very reminiscent of Jurassic Park where Dr. Ross is like I'm going in this temple. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going in, give me a gun, give me a radio, I'm going. 
And Monroe Kelly has it. He's like, no, 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 it's not safe. You know, implied like for a woman, I'll do it. Uh, and mm-hmm. then he pauses for like a little second and then it's like, but I'm also scared. So <laughs> he gives her the yeah. gun, he gives her the radio and they go in together. Like, I'm not going in alone. Like they have so many fun moments like that where you're expecting it to go one way. Um, and it doesn't. And I think for this character where it is, there's a little bit of confusion about who is supposed to be the traditional hero. And he sort of emerges as more of the like strong leader that we typically align with hero. I like that it's sort of more spread out with this, these characters that it's not just one. Um, but he does have those kind of moments where he's not like, he's like, no, you're coming with me. I'm, I'm afraid yeah. to go in there too. Like I, I like it uh, that he just acknowledges that. Um, I don't know. It, it is a very fun performance to watch for sure. Now, Ernie Hudson's been in just so many things since, the, I think, the mid-1970s. But, of course, he's probably most famous as being uh, Winston Zedmore from the Ghostbusters franchise. He was in The Crow. He was in such TV series as Oz and The Family Business. But, uh, I, I, I've, yeah, I've seen him point out that this was one of his favorite performances, if, if not his favorite performance uh, that he got to give. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, we've already mentioned him, but we also have Tim Curry in this role playing... Um, uh, Herkimer Homolka. Uh, oh man, this is this is the role that Ebert described as the Peter Lorre role, and I think that's I think it's pretty accurate. This is the kind of role Peter Lorre would have played in a jungle adventure movie like this: the mysterious European figure with suspicious morals and aims. And Curry, uh, uh, the legend that Tim Curry is, of course, he just breathes so much life into this scoundrel. Yes. Oh my gosh! I think. I have I have done at least one viewing where I just watched Tim Curry the entire time. <laughs> and he is like in the background acting his ass off. Like there like the scene where they first get to Africa and Eddie Ventro, uh, who we're all talking mm-hmm. about, um, like is talking about how much Amy is worth. He lowers his glasses and has the most like starstruck shocked look Uh, he's not even the focus of the scene like he's just back there doing his thing he's got the most unexplainable accent that he just leans into so hard and he has some of my favorite lines where he's like that gorilla knows where the lost city of zinj is like he just oh there's something about it that he elevated a thing like he was like you know what i'm gonna really lean into this suspicious romanian philanthropist going around the world and doing good uh who really wants to find this lost city of zinj like it's beautiful (laughs) oh yeah he um the the accent yes is quite a mouthful that's that's definitely worth noting but but yeah, mm-hmm. there's there so many little moments, but then he, he gets those big moments too, like when they finally enter the lost city of Zinj and he gets to just be star-eyed and wonder uh, yes. at all. And I think he has a line like, the myth of the killer of the gorilla is true, you know, and it's, yes. uh, it's, it's so wonderful. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I do love about him, like he's the villain, absolutely. Um, but he's also kind of the like, bumbling wide-eyed confused villain in a way mm-hmm. you don't see too often um yeah like he's in way over his head i think is yes. one of the, the key aspects of it he's constantly kind of like wide-eyed and 
confused and concerned. His money flow is always getting interrupted, which I very much enjoyed. Um, mm-hmm. There's just something that feels kind of unique about his take on this very stereotypical, mysterious European villain that is pretty funny. Um, it's funny to see him out of his out of his depth, out of his league. And I love how everybody knows who he is. Everybody's like, oh, this oh, guy. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> yeah, don't trust him. You can't trust this guy. What yes. are you doing? Does everyone who encounters, especially uh, once they, uh, they they get to Africa, uh, the, the, everyone there is familiar with him, and he does not have a good reputation. No. <laughs> Uh, now, there, well, what can we say about Tim Curry? I mean, obviously, uh, a legend. Born 1946 is probably one of his most famous roles is, of course, Dr. Frankenfurter from the Rocky Horror Picture Show back in 1975. He was in the original stage version as well. He was Wadsworth in 85's Clue. He was the Demon Darkness in 1985's Legend. Other memorable films include Annie, uh, 19, the 1990 adaptation of It, of course, in which he played Pennywise the Dancing Clown. And he's also done a lot of great voice work over the years, including the Pirates of Dark Water and season five and six of Star Wars The Clone Wars, in which he took over the role of Palpatine slash Darth Sidious after the passing of Ian Abercrombie. Abercrombie was pretty terrific in that role, but Curry, he also brought his own like level of greatness to that voice role as well. Yeah, yeah. I think he's really, really great at imbuing so much character with so with like one line he can do it. So I often joke mm-hmm. like if somebody could win an Oscar for one line I would give it to Tim Curry from Hobo Alone 2 for how he says pizza. <laughs> like he's never pronounced that word before cuz he's that's too below him. Like he does oh. so much of that stuff where he expresses so much with his voice and how he delivers lines um what what is he doing in uh home alone 2 uh, i don't remember he's the concierge oh, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> he should have won an oscar for that role i i like only half kidding um <laughs> but he does that he does that so well where he that was a minor role but to me like i remember so much of how he delivered that line that one word and it communicated so much about that character mm-hmm. um and I also I loved him in these are this is a reflection of my childhood. I loved him in uh, Muppet Treasure Island. Oh yes, yeah, um, yep. and Wild Thornberries. He was a voice in the Wild Thornberries. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, so he's done a lot, a lot of stuff like that. And I, I just, yeah, there's so many. Like if I if we wanted this episode to be basically just us quoting the movie, so much of it would just be me like loving. Tim Curry's delivery of these often very hilarious lines. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, those are some of the main actors involved here, but we're going to roll through some of the other ones. Maybe maybe a little quicker on some of these because there's uh, less to say about them. But I thought I was going to skip over this one. But Richard, the secondary primatologist, is played by Grant Heslov, born 1963. He's done a lot of acting over the years, but he's primarily known as a producer. He's a longtime collaborator with George Clooney. Yeah, and he's fine in this. Uh, no problems there. I think he's killed by a gorilla eventually, like most, yes. <laughs> most characters <laughs> in the film. <laughs> oh, and then we have uh, we have Jodon Baker in the film. Uh, Jodon Baker, born 1936, plays R.B. Travis. Baker, of course, loud Texan actor who is perfect in this as the enraged, just comedically greedy head of a massive media corporation to his his son right this is like bruce campbell's character is his son who is suddenly missing and presumed murdered by gorillas uh, 
in in the jungle and all he can think about is those diamonds we got to get those diamonds and um mm-hmm. and I mean, that's that's all and he just rages the whole he's not on the screen a lot but when he's there he's swinging golf clubs at computer screens he's yelling at Laura Linney just yeah. a completely hateable character yes he also has many lines that i'm like I'm impressed with how much you gave this because it's not that great of a line. But one of my favorites is, I can be human later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just, just a caricature of, a, of, a, of like a, a media corporation head. But, uh, yes. but as a caricature, caricature it's very well done. Um, Baker, of course, has an impressive filmography going all the way back to the mid-60s. He did a lot of TV work, but he hit it big time in 1973's Walking Tall. Some of his more memorable films include 1975's Mitchell, 1984's Final Justice, 85's Fletch. Uh, oh, then we get into the James Bond era. He's in—he's one of those guys that has the um, uh, has the honors of playing two different characters in different Bond films. So he was in 1987's The Living Daylights, where I think he's a villain, but then he's also in both Golden Eye and Tomorrow Never Dies, playing a different character who's on the good guy side of things. Huh. Yeah. Good for him. Joe Don Baker. Okay, now we've mentioned Amy the Talking Gorilla, who is just one of the greatest characters, uh, (laughs) certainly in this film. And maybe you could make a role for like 1990s cinema as a whole. (laughs) Oh, indeed. (laughs) Now, this is a role that, again, like all the gorillas in in this film, they are brought to life via fabulous gorilla costumes, but also tremendous physical performances within the costume. And I believe there are two different individuals credited. One is um, Lola No, born 1972, credited as playing Amy, um, the first of two short-statured actors credited with the role. Uh, I think she's been more active as a producer. Um, but the other is Misty Rosas, born 1973, and uh, Rosas is a wonderful performer, uh, responsible for bringing alive such characters as uh, Cool. Is it Cool? I can't remember this character's name. I always said Queel. Queel, <laughs> Queel. Okay. The uh, the um, let's see. What does he keep saying in the Mandalorian? He's like, um, I have spoken. The I have spoken guy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so she is the physical performer. Nick Nolte did the voice, of course, but she's the physical performer of that character. She was also the physical performer of the Frog Lady in, what, the second season. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so there, there are a number of Star Wars connections to Kanye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, this one's a blink-and-miss-it role here, but Peter Jason plays a character named Mr. Janice, who's just one of the individuals at the airport before they leave for Africa. Born 1944, memorable face from various films over the decade. He's popped up in things like Alien Nation, Prince of Darkness, Dreamscape, They Live, 1995's Mortal Kombat, and Escape from L.A. And another one you might blink and miss is Jimmy Buffett shows up in this movie. <laughs> he plays the pilot of the 727 that they that, that they board to travel to Africa. So yeah, for some reason the high parrot head himself is present in Congo, and I guess has has blessed Congo. Yes, in that way. I mean, it feels right for some reason. Of course, he's there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by eBay eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. 
No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Now, real quick, we mentioned Bruce Campbell's in this. Yes, Bruce Campbell's in this for a hot minute. Um, yeah, this is like of course, literally. <laughs> yeah, he's at the very beginning of the film, and then he. This is kind of a spoiler. He is assaulted by some sort of killer ape. And the movie keeps the hope alive that he will come back. And I remember by the time I saw this movie, I had already seen maybe Army of Darkness. So I was familiar with his work, uh, even if I hadn't seen the Evil Dead movies yet. So I I was excited that he was in here. And then I was disappointed that he was gone. But the movie kept the hope alive that we would find right. him again and he would help fight the gorillas. And, uh, and he, of course, we find out at the end he's, just, he's been dead the whole time. He's really dead. Uh, yeah. But in a way, this in the film, it ended up kind of subverting expectations as well. Because as, especially as a kid, not knowing maybe how structures of these things are likely to work, you think, well, mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell's in this. Well, he's going to show up at the end and he's going to chainsaw some apes. But it does not happen. <laughs> No, we get lasers instead. Um, and I will say a lot of the reviews I read from this time, it was people seemed to, that was one of the big critiques people had was, I guess they felt tricked that he was in it and then just <laughs> mm-hmm. never, he's in it for, like I said, a, maybe a minute, maybe a little more, but uh, then he doesn't come back. And people were like, this is criminally, <laughs> this is a criminally short cameo. <laughs> um yeah. Because Army of Darkness came out in 92, so Mm -hmm. it had had time to, of course, not only hit theaters, but to really uh, dig into the VHS market and the home rental market. So, again, this is me, my my sort of childhood memory of this, but I, I, or junior high memory of this or whatever. I remember feeling like the world was hot for more Bruce Campbell uh, action (laughs) and Maybe maybe they, they weren't, or maybe the, the studio system had not really caught wind of the hunger yet. <laughs> yeah. I think you were I think you were picking it up. I think people wanted Bruce Campbell, but you know, <laughs> this is what we got. <laughs> yeah. We also have Ottawale, Akanawe, Agbaje in this. Uh he's he, he just plays uh this is one of the many soldier characters that sort of populates the background of the film, but uh, this is, a, of course, English fashion model turned actor, born 1967, who had pl- pretty big roles on TV's Oz and also Lost, which you mentioned earlier. But this was one of his first screen roles. He's gone on to act in a number of big pictures, including The Mummy Returns, The Bourne Identity, the remake of The Thing, the second Thor movie, and Suicide Squad. So uh, he's, he's been in quite a few things. He also writes and directs. Mm-hmm. Now, two, getting into two surprisingly uncredited performances in this. The first, we have Delroy Lindo pop up in this, playing Captain Wanta. The, this, is one of, this is a corrupt military official that they encounter, again, on the way to the Lost City. And uh, he like hits him up for a bribe and also just d- talks about uh, how much he hates uh, Tim Curry's character. He's really, really hard on, um, on Homolka here, even telling him that he has to stop eating the sesame cake in the hotel. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> One of my favorite articles when I was the next day after I watched this and I was like, what did I just watch? Somebody wrote, imagine a script that went through rewrites. And still had to stop eating my sesame cake in there, not once, but twice. <laughs> <laughs> but so but Lin- Linda makes you believe it. It's a, it's, yes. it's a small but but memorable little performance here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda, of course, uh, so, some of his biggest films have included Malcolm X, Get Shorty, uh, The Five Bloods, and The Core. Uh, he's also slated to have a major role in the Blade reboot if they ever actually make that movie. 
I don't know what uh, he's going to play in that, but I, I, I kind of have, I'm wondering if he's going to play a Whistler character, if he's going to be like the, the mentor to Blade, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. And then you, uh, you mentioned this one already, uh, but we have this character, Eddie Ventro, who shows up. Yeah. And this is an uncredited performance by Joe Pantoliano. Yes. Uh, and I was a huge Matrix fan. I had an extremely embarrassing uh, email address, which you unfortunately have seen, um, which I've told <laughs> that story before. But uh, anyway, because um, I had a huge crush on Neo Keanu Reeves from The Matrix. But I didn't know he was going to be in this movie. And uh, when he showed up, that was one of the things I shouted to the other room was like, it's Joey Pants. It's Cypher. He's here. (laughs) (laughs) My friend was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a great slimy little role that he plays like the, i think one of the first things that he does is he offers to buy amy the gorilla yes like immediately <laughs> immediately yeah. <laughs> yeah so um yeah uh, joe pantoliano here probably yeah best known for playing cypher in 1999's the matrix caesar in 1996's bound and he played the character Teddy in 2000's Memento. So yeah, uh, talented character actor that often plays kind of slimy, sleazy characters, uh, morally ambiguous at best. Mm-hmm. I think he was also in a couple of Tales from the Crypt episodes, which of course, perfect place to stick somebody with these talents. Yes, yes. I do love, he has a scene where like the, he reemerges after I assumed we would never see him again. Um, and he's getting off the plane and he has like a head injury and he makes the like, funniest sound to me where it's like oh (laughs) i don't know there's just something about how he did that that cracks me up every time i watch this um in case i forget it for later what happens to his character in this film do we see him killed by a gorilla or something because at some point later in the film i'm like where did he go (laughs) he he kind of just wanders he's like here's your equipment have fun he doesn't he says he doesn't like to leave the airport so i I assume he just haunts the airport (laughs) okay (laughs) Mm mm-hmm well, let's get into the plot a bit. Um, yes. Oh, gosh. I'm so excited. <laughs> so we open in sub-Saharan Africa, presumably the Congo, given the, the name of the film. Uh, we have Bruce Campbell's character, Charlie, leading a team into the wild surrounding uh, Mount Mukino, we're told here, some sort of volcanic mountain. And almost right away, we see he's packing heat. Like we see him like holding the uh, the pistol there. And I guess this is all kind of nice subversion because they really kind of present him as like, this is our star, right? This is the action hero. This is the guy who's going to take us through the movie. Right. And I do want to, before we move on, again, I love when you can watch a movie and be like, oh, this is the 90s or whatever. The uh, Congo title Mm -hmm. uh, is done in the most glorious, like gold world word art if you remember what that was mm-hmm. um so it's like a fading of gold to orange and then it has a blue drop shadow glow and that's like this is 90s oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> so i'm i'm a sucker for that kind of stuff but yeah I, I do think you know if you have started watching this and you're like oh i guess this is our hero and then it doesn't really turn out to be what you think it's going to be at all Right. Well, for one thing, it's like we're very much in sort of Indiana Jones territory. And then we Mm. cut to space. We're in orbit. And we see this satellite, which this is one of the moments where the effects feel rather dated because it's like a very dated CGI satellite orbiting the Earth. 
And uh, uh, this, of course, is going to be an important part of the plot. This is what is enabling him to communicate uh, without any lag at all with a Houston control center. That's where we go to next. And here we meet Laura Linney as our, uh, our former CIA agent, Dr. Karen Ross. And they're, they initiate a satellite call to Bruce Campbell's team around the volcano. And they start talking about blue diamonds. Yes. And as much as I make fun of the script, and I do, I will say they accomplish a lot pretty quickly. So when you first yeah. see Laura Lenny, she's walking in with a colleague of hers who has a very hilarious like password, which is just his name, Rudy, 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 um, <laughs> yeah. to get in. But it like immediately establishes that uh, the character we're about to meet, who is Bruce Campbell's father, um, Travis, is paranoid. He's mm-hmm. very, very paranoid. Uh, and he doesn't trust people. Um, but yeah, I, I love too how quickly there's so much whiplash in this movie where you're like, oh, diamonds. Oh, but for satellites. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Bruce Campbell's character has brought a functional laser gun into the wild yes. with him and immediately loads up one of these blue diamonds and test fires it, starting a small fire behind him. And we're like, mm-hmm. okay, it. I, I'm not completely clear on how all this works, but blue diamond... <laughs> apparently works blue diamond lasers are important and uh and back in houston they're very pleased with how this is all shaping up yes yes i love how they don't bother to explain it i like legitimately love that when movies are like you know what we're not really about this part of it (laughs) so Mm -hmm. i can explain it um but he even makes a mention of like it's this isn't a good enough diamond essentially like we need a better Mm -hmm. diamond and then we'll really be in business yeah (laughs) <laughs> so at this point, uh, one of the other members of, of Bruce Campbell's characters, Charlie's team, calls him over and says, hey, I found something. Jump into this water here and swim under these ruins with me. And he's like, oh, yep. okay, I'll do that. And so they, they jump in and lo and behold, they discover a lost city hidden beneath the jungle canopy. And the other guy, the character that will not be around for long, but we find out he'll be back actually, but then not be around for long. A guy (laughs) named Jeffrey stresses that this is a big find. This is amazing. And he's telling him all this in, they're standing in front of this ominous stone gorilla statue. There's sinister music playing. We can already tell nothing good. is going to happen here. Yeah. It really ramps up pretty quickly. You're like, Oh wow. Something is just about to go wrong. (laughs) And, uh, this has one of my very favorite, like, horror elements where one of them goes missing jeffrey goes missing Mm -hmm. bruce campbell's kind of staring off in the distance maybe getting you know wind something's not right Mm -hmm. uh calls for his friend eyeball (laughs) just out of nowhere here is a human eyeball uh in front of him yeah, and then we get we cut to the monster POV. There's this growl, and then we get the, the the shot of Bruce Campbell screaming, and it's it's kind of interesting to think like the, the you try to put yourself in the mind of the monster here. So the gray gorilla, after brutally murdering the other guy, pauses to pluck eyeballs out, and then sort of mess with Charlie here, like just chunk a few eyeballs at him, yeah. get his attention, and then kill him. So very very mm-hmm. twisted on the part of our uh, our our ape adversaries here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so back in Houston, they try and call back uh, on the video chat. They see everyone is dead. Something is running around. An ape attacks the camera. They get kind of this freeze frame that they're going to have to f- figure out later. So things get a little bit event horizon here. They've got some footage that they're going to have to tinker with later. Uh, it seems like there was a, this was a, a 
thing for a while in, in cinema. There's always a situation where you have some strange footage and there's something computery you could do to it and you could get everything enhanced and figured out later on. Yes, yes. And there's a lot to there's a lot that I love about this part. Number one, this was such a trope in the 90s. I don't know if you ever saw the Mary-Kate and Ashley movie, It Takes Two. No. <laughs> uh, but there was such a trope in the 90s that like, if you could control communications, like cell phones or new technology, you, you could control everything. And it was such like mm-hmm. a evil villain trope. And I love how Travis, immediately when you meet this character, who's like, yeah, the most over-the-top evil business, corrupt capitalist guy, is it like that he's going to dominate the communications industry with this diamond. Um, And all of this is interspersed with like the most 90s graphics and the most 90s sound effects to that like camera that Mm -hmm. they're looking in on the campsite with. It is just, there's something about it that feels so from that time that it's it's like a whole, a full body experience for me. Like, oh yes, this is 90s. Um, Yeah. I think Tomorrow Never Dies, one of the, 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 the Bond film we referenced earlier, I think that the villain in that one, played by Jonathan Price, is also some sort of a media mogul type character. Yeah, it was such a thing. Um, and I do love that he, this is when his line I mentioned earlier of like, I can be human later comes up. Mm-hmm. Like he's like immediately an overtop caricature. I love how Laura Linney's character, literally, she says to him, are you for real? <laughs> <laughs> and she's in the most 90s khakis and vest too, by the way. Um and this is when you kind of find out like she was dating Bruce Campbell. They were going to get married and then they broke up for whatever reason. But she still obviously cares about him. And she has this confrontation with Travis like, I'm not going in there unless you promise me you're doing it for your son. If you're doing it for Charlie, I'll go. But if I get one hint that this isn't for him, I'm going to make you sorry. That's what she says. <laughs> yeah, I love that he he does calm down a little bit and he's like, like, yeah, I'm doing it for him. I did not find it very believable, uh, but it's, it's good enough for her. She's like, okay, all right. Um, yes. I believe you enough to go out and try and find him in the wild. Yes. And I also love one of my favorite parts, which like right before it, he said something pretty offensive, which is like, maybe it was the locals. Um but then he's like, or a rival company. <laughs> like, there's just something about him that's so, he's so paranoid. He's so, mm-hmm. so paranoid. Um, I also agree that she perhaps believed him too readily. But I also think she wanted to go. Like, she she does still care about yeah. Charlie. Um, but yeah, he's not very believable at all. But maybe that's yeah. just his, his constant vibe is just this level of anger so (laughs) yeah and i think i think you're right i think like she she wanted to go she wants to uh to try and find charlie and so it's not that she's saying i'm not going unless like she's not really looking for an affirmation from him she's just trying to encourage the human side of him like like okay i'll do this but i want to see it like some acknowledgement that part of this is because you love your son right exactly and uh not, you know, not sending me off to get killed to get well, that diamond. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. 
It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Uh, but this is one of my, this is when I was watching the movie, this cut that happens mm. now. Oh, whoa. This, <laughs> what am I watching <laughs> right now? And this is when we get introduced to Amy. That's right. We, we cut to our gorilla expert. Um, this is, we meet our, our primatologist characters and we meet Amy the gorilla and Amy is doing art. Amy is, is making things, but also we quickly learn that, uh, well, I guess we, we kind of build up to this, right? Because we, we meet Amy and she's great and she's totally <laughs> believable as a, as a, as a, a, a younger female gorilla. I guess, I don't know. I, I, I went back and forth on how old Amy is because early on there is very much like a childlike aspect to Amy that we latch on to. Yes. But she's also, she drinks, she's drinking martinis, she's smoking cigars, and spoiler, but at the end of the movie, she goes off and marries a silverback. So it's like, she's a, an, an adult woman gorilla too, and we, sh- we shouldn't take that away from her. No, absolutely not. I mean, those are some of our favorite parts of Amy. Amy is multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I think, I, I just, I need people to watch this if they haven't seen it, because you're watching it and you're like, oh, here's this gorilla. This gorilla is drawing all these pictures that look very similar. Um, mm-hmm. And I believe this is where they introduced the stuffed animal named Lovey. Oh, yes. She, she had, because, yeah, and this is another thing that builds up the, the sort of childlike nature of her because she has her Lovey. Right. She has the, the little uh, stuffed animal that she's carrying around. Right. So they're very much prompting you to believe, yeah, she's this, you know, more childlike gorilla and those other things which i can't wait to talk about more detail of the martini and and whatnot come later but right in the beginning you're like oh okay seems like a young sweet gorilla (laughs) yes but but of course we keep talking about amy the talking gorilla and to get there again the the movie really doesn't waste a lot of time we like cut to essentially like a ted talk thing that dr elliot's doing at berkeley he's talking about language he's talking about sign language he's talking about virtual reality technology and then he he cuts to the real meat of everything they have created a real-time sign language audible translator with power glove that allows sign language uh literate Animals like Amy allow them to to actually speak out loud. She wears a little power glove. She does the signs, and this enables her to speak and say things like, Amy, good gorilla. And this is one of my very favorite parts because, I mean, this is when it, in one way, really goes off the rails, at least when I was watching it. Um, but it, it has the funniest scene. It's like the funniest cut to the audience scene I've ever I think I've ever witnessed because people are watching he's talking yeah he's talking about virtual reality he's talking about Mm -hmm. all of this like really high-tech stuff and then he calls out Amy and people you know turn and gasp and they see this gorilla coming down the aisle it's like a you know where you would go to see a talk at a college or something Mm -hmm. and um Amy comes up and there's this guy and I don't know the actor's name but he's kind of like bored flipping through the pamphlet and he looks up (laughs) And then Amy says, yeah, you know, Amy, good gorilla, Amy, good gorilla. Um, (laughs) And he kind of like is staring ahead in horror and in awe. And he says, Mm -hmm. that gorilla is talking. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. It's such a great stand in for the audience. Like it really is because you're having a similar reaction. But I love the cutback to him of what this gorilla is talking (laughs) 
And then we also cut to uh, Homolka there, played by Tim yes. Curry. He's in the audience, and he's watching creepily, and he has the, a ring with uh, this kind of like eye on it. And we suddenly get this very mid-'90s flash then of suddenly there's like scenes from Amy's dream, something with a jungle, and a flash of a gray monster ape jumping across it. And uh, we're kind of left... I was left wondering, like, well, what what happened? Where did this come from? Did that happen because I looked into the ring? Is <laughs> was that in in Hermolka uh, cursed you? <laughs> yeah, did I am I cursed? Is that in his mind, uh-huh. or is this Amy's dreams? Uh, but then we 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 cut we cut ahead and we basically find out that well she she doesn't seem to be sleeping well. Peter is worried that she's deteriorating mentally because she's not in the jungle. She needs to be in the jungle. He meets with the dean and he's like, we need to raise a bunch of money to send our star-talking gorilla back to the jungle, and the dean's like, nobody's going to pay for that. Yes, which I am of two minds about. I, I think I can see. But, you know, also these he believes these paintings are from the jungle. Like, this is what she's been mm-hmm. doing. But enter Herkima Hermolka, yeah. <laughs> former <laughs> Romanian traveling around the world and doing good. And guess what? I've got a lot of money, and I want to fund your trip to take this gorilla <laughs> back to the jungle (laughs) yeah he's like i have no ulterior motive i just want to see amy return to jungle yes (laughs) just sound like really like he's basically doing a um a bella lugosi dracula character here Um, it's uh it's it's even more that than it is peter laurie yes and the accent is so immediately you can't think of anything else Mm um and i love like for the audience, at least, you've gotten all these hints that he's up to no good or he's got an ulterior motive, as you said. But it cuts to immediately from that scene to Dr. Elliot being like, yes, his name's Herkimer Homolka. I don't see the problem. He's going to fund us <laughs> to go to the jungle. <laughs> I trust just... everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. He's just like, yeah, I don't see any reason why we need to wonder about this anymore. <laughs> And of course, Amy's on board. Yes, we get Amy in the 3D glasses. Yeah, yeah, a sweet scene where they're yeah. they were in their 3D glasses looking at a book. So another scene with a lot of childlike wonder for Amy. Mm-hmm. This is when she asked to be tickled the first time, I think. Oh yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, it seems like okay, the expedition is ready to go. They get to the airport. Hamolka's like everything seems good. They, it seems like they're loading the plane, but then uh oh, they're unloading the plane. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so there's this scene out there on the tarmac among the big, the, mid the crates. Uh, everyone's a little stressed. Amy just wants to be tickled. She doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> but then Dr. Ross walks up and she's like, hey, let, let my company pay for some of your trip and just let me bring my team along. Yeah, basically they need like she needs almost like a visa. She needs a reason why she's going. She has to join their expedition um, to get in because I guess if they report what's happened, like... The, they're not going to be able to get across the, the border to investigate what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's trying very, very hard, uh, has been for a long time. Uh, this is where I get my line that I said earlier, I'm a primatologist, not a pound of sugar. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we also see the beginnings of Amy being jealous of Dr. Ross mm-hmm. because uh, Peter um, is like, oh, it's not me, it's Amy. You can't come because mm-hmm. Amy doesn't like you. Uh, but yeah, they start uh, unloading stuff off the plane, and Hermolka, I love this. He's he's what does he say? There's been an interruption in my cash flow or something yeah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Doctor Ross knows, like, ooh, I got you. You need me. 
Yeah, uh, he can't pay for the fuel for the plane, but mm-hmm. her company certainly can. And so basically mm-hmm. we cut to everyone's on board the plane flying to Africa. And this is where we have that wonderful scene where we get some um, some Amy, some scenes where Amy is upset with Karen and um, and the, the primatologist and Karen have a nice back and forth about like why what is the trip is about and what is what what is the human relationship to animals and so forth. Yeah, cuz she's very curious and can't quite pin down why he did it. And he mm-hmm. kind of gives, like, why did he train uh, Amy to be able to speak, essentially? Um, and he's, he says some, he gives her some quotes about, you know, the face of the teacher and, like, why not mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but this is also when we get the infamous, and I, I dare you to find any review who doesn't mention it, um, scene where Amy is a nervous flyer. Yeah. <laughs> she wants her raindrop juice. Yes. <laughs> and it turns out that... Raindrop juice is a martini. Yes, yes. So we get a scene in a film <laughs> where a gorilla is drinking a martini and looks very happy about it. Yeah, and it's total, totally believable scene, too. I mean, aside from the ridiculousness <laughs> of it, like you buy Amy the talking gorilla as a real individual who just likes a nice drink to take the edge off during a flight. Well, yeah, of course. And I mean, she she had been tense because she had also just thrown an egg at oh, yeah. uh, Karen. <laughs> yeah. She called her an ugly woman and yeah, yes. threw an egg at her. So then things are off to a rocky start between Karen and Amy. Yes. And this is also when like the, they have a discussion around the myth of the killer ape and like King Kong, all of that stuff. Um, so kind of you can see Hermolka starting to show his hand that he's interested in this. Like he's got, he's got more than he's letting on uh, and what he wants to get out of this trip. Now I'm, I'm going to, I guess, try and skip some of what happened. Like basically they land in, in Africa. They, they land in one country. They need to go into another country, but already things are in a destabilized state here. Uh, we meet uh, uh, Joe Pantoliano's character, Eddie Ventro. He's immediately like, Hey, can I buy that ape off you? And uh, there's soldiers running around. Something blows up on the airfield in the back, in the in, in the background. And and Elliot's like asking around for the guy that they hired, but that guy's nowhere to be seen because no, looks like big media has paid for the best guide available, and that is Captain Monroe Kelly. And he he's up, and he's you know he's suave, uh, you know he's very laid back about everything, but he basically saves all of them and is working on getting them where he needs to go. He's, he's all action and solutions. He piles everybody in the back of a military truck, and they're on their way out. Yes. Um, and one of my favorite things about this scene is we get two instances of seeing people being, I guess, totally on board and completely okay with the talking gorilla. But uh, when Amy talks, uh, Captain Monroe is just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and yeah. here's the smoke, Amy. <laughs> like, I guess that's what you want. Uh, but he immediately takes control of the situation and it seems to immediately clock like one Hermolka is no good. He he mm-hmm. is one of the characters that's like, Oh, I remember you. And then two, that Karen is very competent and like that they will be working together to kind of lead this expedition. But also, I guess three, that everybody's in there for a different reason and nobody's being completely honest, except for maybe Peter. 
Right. Like even um, even uh, uh, Captain Kelly here is is being a, a he's kind of it's he's a little uncertain as well. Like you don't distrust him, but there's that part where one of the characters asks him, "Are you some kind of criminal?" And he just says, "Aren't we all?" Yes. And uh, it's just another great Captain uh, Monroe Kelly moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we get some. It sounds like Kelly is perhaps also an arms dealer. We're not entirely sure. I guess what he's he's uh, involved in. Uh, but it also seems like he's the the best, most expensive hope for them. He was hired by the tech company, but they don't get very far before the military stops them and like arrest everybody and says, "Look, nobody can go to Zaire, so you're all stuck in this hotel here." And this is where we get Captain Wanta, uh, played by Delroy Lindo. Show he shows up, and people are interrogated, and he does not seem to have good intentions, and almost immediately hits them up for a massive bribe. Yes, and. He receives it. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is when we get the infamous stop eating my sesame cake line yeah. <laughs> twice uh, because Tim Curry is back there kind of nervously nibbling the <laughs> sesame cake. And when, and when he sees the money, like his mouth drops open, like his expressions during this whole scene, he is just like a befuddled, terrified out of his league villain who gets called out yeah. <laughs> by Delroy Lindo. It's like, oh, this piece of trash, like don't work with him. He's terrible. Um and it's just one of those things where you're watching it, and you're like, wow. I mean these performances are amazing, but how in the world did this get made? <laughs> <laughs> So Captain Wanta hits him up for this bribe and um, and Karen pays it. Like she basically has just an enormous amount of cash on her. Mm-hmm. There's this nice scene where Captain Wanta is then stapling a, the, the brown sack that he put the money into shut. And he tells them that it's the gorilla that's going to get them across the border because no one wants to be seen uh, in Western media being cruel to the gorilla. And uh, so it looks like they're going to get to continue. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So... This is this brings us to like another plane trip. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of jokes about uh, Dr. Elliot and Amy being a husband and wife, which I think we've already had some of those too. But people witnessing mm-hmm. their interactions, um, and <laughs> some of the funniest, least believable parts of the movie, I think, take place in this section um, because they get shot at while they're in a plane. The, in this yeah. plane. After Amy has been fed some kind of drug in a banana uh, Mm -hmm. to calm her down, by the way, and (laughs) Laura Linney, badass that she is, gets a flare gun, kicks open the door to (laughs) the airplane and uses the flare gun to, I guess, distract to send the heat seeking missiles that way, which I don't think is how it works. It's quickly joined by uh, Monroe Kelly. Is like, oh, yeah, this is a good idea. I'm going to help you. It's a really cool, like, badass scene. I just questioned the legitimacy of yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. So, they, yeah, they, they fire off these flares. They're able to redirect the um, heat-seeking ground-to-air missiles that are being fired at them by the military. But it looks like the plane's been hit. Everyone's going to have to parachute anyway. Uh, so we get some shenanigans here where um, Homolka, of course, is cowardly and has to be booted out of the plane. Um, Monroe Kelly, he grabs uh, a drugged Amy. Amy has been given the, I think they later refer to it as the banana with the dope in it. So mm-hmm. he, she has, she's already had her dope banana, so he scoops her up and jumps out. Gear is being dropped as well. And uh, yeah, then we're in the jungle uh, proper at this point. 
And I think this is when we start getting answers about what some of the characters are, are, are up to. So we hear a little bit about, you know, the city of Solomon, the lost city of Zinj. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monroe Kelly reveals he has a past history of a terrible expedition that went wrong with Hermoka uh, and carrying him out of the jungle. Um, we also learn a bit more about Laura Lenny's character um, and what she's looking for because she has this, what she says is a gadget that has features. Um, like, you know, her ex-CIA past is kind of talked about. Uh, so we're getting at some of these answers, these character answers about uh, what people are looking into. And also, I would like to point out, this is when I was like, oh, this is a volcano as well. Um, yes. <laughs> good to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and it's, it's like when you bring a cannon on stage, right? You bring a volcano on into the picture. You know that volcano is erupting at the end of the film. Yes. So, but we'll get to, we'll get to that part. So, uh, at any rate, yeah, they set up camp. Uh, the tents are great. The AC units are passed out. We already talked about that. We yeah, we get more. Uh, they spill more details about the lost city of Zinj. Uh, Karen gets satellite gear set up. She checks in with Texas. They send her the creature analysis. They're like, we've we've done some some work on the footage. It is gorilla like, but maybe not a gorilla. And oh, by the way, that volcano is probably going to blow up. And she's like, all right, fine. Uh, we can we can handle it. Uh, but they're they're not even able to finish the call because then Amy uh, and Elliot come racing through the camp like children. They <laughs> knock over the satellite gear and destroy it. Like it's no longer functional. Yep. Yep. Uh, just destroy her equipment. Um, and this is also when the, the scene you mentioned, when we see kind of this gear kind of overkill, perhaps, that mm-hmm. uh, Karen bought with the AC and the tents. Um setting up with that but yeah now so now they're cut off from that uh and they've got to trek through the jungle and they've got this volcano threat <laughs> looming mm-hmm. over them and a mysterious creature that is not a gorilla but close yeah so we we, we get a, a fun scene at night where there are all these monkey sounds in the in the forest and uh everyone's a little wigged out except for captain monroe kelly uh, and he has some some fun lines there. But then it rains. It mudslides. There's a ridiculous scene where somebody sees a snake and there's scary music and they chop the snake with a machete. Uh, mm-hmm. A scene that serves no purpose in the film. <laughs> Just to say <laughs> that like, oh, and there are also snakes. But don't worry, they don't factor into the plot. Right. And this is also where we get um, the leech the leech scene yep. Um, yep. on the penis. Uh, this is kind of like a montage of all of the stuff uh, the terrain and uh, environment they're having to deal with. Um, inexplicable singing scene where they all start singing is also in this kind of section oh, yeah. as well. California yeah. dreaming. Yes, we also, yes. yeah. We also get uh, members of a native tribe show up, the ghost tribe they describe them as. And they're like, hey, uh, they, they, they're, uh, Dr. Monroe Kelly, I mean, Captain Monroe Kelly uh, can speak their language, so he speaks with them. And he's like, hey, they have a, they have a dead man or a nearly dead man, uh, and they want us to see him. They have, he has this TC symbol on his clothing. Karen quickly realizes, well, that's my company. We need to see what this is all about. And they check in on this kind of like the tribal ceremony, some sort of a funeral rite. Uh, it seems like it's maybe patterned after a scene from Baraka. Uh, I'm not sure on that, but it's uh, it's it's impressive to watch. And then they realize, okay, is this man Charles? No, it's not. It's Bob, someone else from that group. He wakes up, he sees Amy the gorilla, and immediately just freaks out to death. Which is classic. 
a classic yeah. scene of, you know, being scared to death of something. I do think this is one scene um, that did a disservice to the, like, payoff. And I know they mm-hmm. wanted the final product to be really scary, but they just weren't that scary. <laughs> so, like, yeah. the fact that he sees Amy and is like, <gasps> it just really, it was like it built it up. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this must be terrifying. It killed him. It scared him to death. Um, yeah. I mean, it was really, it was effective. It, 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 it served a lot in terms of building your fear and anxiety around whatever it is they're going to eventually face. So they keep going. They're not going to be deterred by this. There are more Zinge revelations, King Solomon's legendary diamond mine in the Congo. Others have sought it. None have come back. And Homolka insists that Amy knows where the city is. The open eye symbol. She saw it in her dream. Um, So they, they keep going. And eventually they're traveling by boat at night. And this is like straight up uh, Disney Jungle Cruise (laughs) adventure Mm -hmm. here. But we get a terrifying hippo attack where the hippos are attacking the boat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then a plane is shot down in the night. It crashes. uh, And they're like, well, uh, I don't know what that's about. That's, That's bad. They reach the volcano. Uh, they two porters have run away. Amy wants her glove, and at this point, navigation is becoming difficult. Like her little multi-purpose device isn't really working. And Homolka says, "Well, we should let Amy lead us. Let Amy lead the the expedition." And everyone's like, "You know, he's right. We should let Amy lead." <laughs> that gorilla knows where it is. I love mm-hmm. that line so much. Uh, yeah, so they're all like, "Yeah, let's follow. Let's follow Amy." Um, and this leads us to another one of my very favorite scenes. This is when they meet a big silverback gorilla. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is after they kind of transverse what seems to be straight up a volcano. I don't know yeah. that their path makes a lot of sense. But anyway, uh, they meet this big silverback gorilla. Uh, Monroe tells Peter, like, don't run. Gorilla sees it as a challenge. Um, and then, yes, uh, he doesn't run. The gorilla backs away. And that's when Monroe realized, like, oh, he did run away. Uh, And then, I love this, Amy tries to communicate with the gorillas, and they look at her, and they're like, nah. And they walk away. (laughs) But it's it's sad. You watch it, and you're like, oh, Amy was trying to communicate with the gorillas, and she can't because she's been trained in this new system. And uh, it's it's um, it's sad. It is. But we're holding out hope. We feel feel like she'll probably get another shot at this. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. 
Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So they press on, and it should come as no surprise, they do find the lost city of Zinj. We see this fabulous-looking, ruinous lost city with a, a big, uh, we, we see this like this head statue with these big eyes, and Homolka is just in tears. Uh, the eye on his ring matches the great statue, these amber eyes, and we get some just wonderful scene-chewing by Tim Curry here. Yeah, because he, he really does have an emotional moment, and for all the cowardice he has... Um, and I'm, this is very telling of his character because he's still a huge coward. But he says, I must go because uh, he wants to go <laughs> in. He wants to find these diamonds. Um, and uh, it's just like the culmination of everything he's been talking about. And he does have a line where I'm kind of like, I don't believe this at all. But he says, uh, "He, we can all share 
We can all share yeah. the loot of the diamonds <laughs> if we go in. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, we are here in the lost city of Zinj. Obviously, we have reached the the final portion of the film, last thirty minutes of the film, uh, and everything is about to just get really wild. Uh, so for starters, the guns are out now. Kelly and his team are inspecting everything. They're they're wisely on guard because they realize some serious violence has gone down around here, and they don't entirely know what's behind it. And Homolka tells them this story about the establishment of Solomon's uh, mine here and the city around it, about how the savageness of the guards was famous, and then about how this it fell into ruin. But when they press him, they're like, well, why did it fall into ruin? He's like, uh, nobody knows. Uh, but they're like, okay, well, let's go in and explore. So we're in full-blown ruin exploration mode. And some of these scenes are effectively creepy, like the lighting is just right. Uh, you know, it's the typical shots you have in films like this of people pointing their flashlights at, at uh, hieroglyphics and checking out uh, hallways, and, uh, and you're just expecting something to jump out at any moment. Yes, and it's, that's built by the fact that Amy was not feeling it. Uh, she did mm-hmm. not want to come in. Uh, so some of them, uh, some of the members of the group stayed outside. Amy stayed outside. Um, and then there are these hieroglyphics on the wall that uh, Dr. Elliot translates. And it, it basically boils down to they trained these gorillas to guard the mines uh, on a volcano whose activity mm-hmm. is getting more intense, by the way. Uh, to guard the diamonds, and then the gorillas turned on the people there, and I guess have just been living there, guarding the diamonds, getting more and more violent. <laughs> yeah, and perhaps uh, like inbred, like it's a very small population. Yeah. So every time we see the gray gorillas, like they do look diseased, and I don't know how much of this is uh, like seriously trying to figure out like what is the like genetic decline of a small population of primates going to look like and then how much of it is like notes coming back or the or from the from the studio or just the effects team looking at it like well how scary can we make these gorillas uh, and you look at when you look at them like this sort of freeze frame of the of the grays they look they look very frightening they did a great job making monstrous gorillas it's just when it comes to actually seeing them moving around, I, uh, I don't know. I think it probably does come back to the lighting and just some of the, um, you know, the, the, perhaps a, a, you can imagine these costumes being better utilized. I don't know. Yes, absolutely. And the, and they are they were trying to do a lot of things. Um, I will say, in this movie with special effects and technology, and one of the most bizarre and jarring ones is in this section because so Richard had stayed outside with Amy Mm -hmm. and then he runs in screaming uh, and is killed (laughs) by this big angry killer gorilla Mm -hmm. Um, and the group you know tries to to shoot at this gorilla and it's like inexplicable stop motion camera work like it's out of nowhere they don't do it again um it just felt like oh let's let's experiment with this and i do again i go that makes me wonder how much of it was oh this is new technology we could try but also how much of it was 
uh, these costumes aren't working out like we thought, or like maybe yeah, we need or to. at least the resulting footage was not as scary as we thought it might be. Right. What can we do? Let's tinker with it until we have something that that ha- creates more of an emotional response. Yes, absolutely. I, I feel like that's another thing every review mentions is that like, where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. But at this point, like everybody's basically in the mode of like, okay, I guess we need to get out of here because gorillas mm-hmm. are attacking us. Amy shows up for a nice jump scare. Yeah. Um, one gray gorilla has been taken down, but there are more. They leave the ruins. They find more bodies. Um, Homolka thinks this is why the mines had to close down in ancient times. I guess makes sense. Killer gorillas. So they go back to camp and, and it's tech time because Amy gloves up. And starts talking about the bad gorillas. And then in one of the, I, I can't even honestly remember if this was in the book or not. I think it might have been. But at this point, the team, uh, Karen and or the team, remember, oh, yeah, amid the gear that we have, we have automated machine gun drones that we can set up that use lasers to detect movement and will fire at anything. And <laughs> they set this up around the perimeter of the camp. And I, I remember loving this in the film and perhaps in the book, if it was in the book uh, when I was younger, but especially now you like, this is just so ridiculous. This is just ludicrous that they brought automated machine gun. Like what was the original like rationale behind this? Was it just killer gorillas may show up in the hundreds. We will need machine gun drones because otherwise it's like you were, these are like weapons of war you're bringing into this other country. (laughs) Right. And people could have shown up like anything could have happened. Um, and they also have, so Laura Linney is cool as a cucumber during this part, by the way. And they set up a a laptop, an old laptop, and she can like see their shapes on it, like see where Mm -hmm. they are and how many of them are. But it, I mean, again, I I think the lighting didn't really work in the scene, but it could have been really scary because you, you would just see like the guns turn, shoot at something. The lasers were kind of goofy but like the seeing the this turn and you couldn't really necessarily see where the the gorillas were but they were all around like it ended up feeling very um humorous and over the top where i think it could have been scary i'm not sure that this movie ever succeeds really at being scary i think it's much more a fun action romp so i don't know that it would have worked anyway mm-hmm. uh given the rest of what we've seen already but um yeah, it's like fireworks and lasers, <laughs> guns and <Yeah>. killer apes. <laughs> it feels kind of like like this is Congo the Ride. Uh, yes. Which isn't too much of a knock because what is a blockbuster film? Like it's kind of like the approach to a big like Disneyland ride or a blockbuster film. It's kind of the same energy. So I, I guess it's fine that they feel it feels much the same here. Yes. And then it's buttoned with Hermolka saying, I've translated this phrase and it says, mm. We are watching you. So it's kind of this yeah. like goofy action set piece. And then, oh, wait, go back to scary stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next morning, people are missing, including Amy and Homolka. Uh, Amy's out wandering. She encounters the other gorillas again. They acknowledge her this time, but they're they're standoffish. So it seems like some progress is being made in uh, in Amy-gorilla relations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the team heads back into the ruins, and they're just armed to the teeth. They just, they're just bringing all the guns this time. And they find uh, evidence on the walls. They find more, not hieroglyphics this time, but more like actual um, uh, images that are tell, like sequential art. 
And it seems that, yes, the gorillas were bred using gorillas and humans, apparently, uh, and, uh, to serve as guardians for the mines. But they eventually turned on their masters, and they find the bones of normal gorillas with crushed skulls. Yes, quite a few. Um, yeah. And this is when we see Amy, who's like, the volcano, it's shaking, it's about to go off. Um, some of the building collapses. So Amy is determined to help her human friends to fight these bad gorillas, grabs her ASL gear, and makes her way <laughs> to, mm-hmm. the, to the temple, to the building. And so here we are, the team. Eventually, they, they have some trouble. It seems like they're, the mines may be closed off. And then, of course, there's seismic activity, and there are cave-ins. And so they just keep going. You know, very, very Dungeons & dragons at this point. Like, okay, we got we to gotta keep the party moving deeper into the dungeon here. And then they emerge into... Well, to, Dungeons and Dragons wise, this would be when the dungeon master would pull out the the feature map where the big battle is going to take place. Uh, it's this is apparently the mine. It's kind of this little valley with the stream going through it. Uh, there are all these like alcoves or cave openings in the walls, and the ground is just filthy with blue diamonds. Like they're just poking up out of the ground, like like big diamond baseballs. Yeah, you're right. That is very D and D. Like, look at these shiny things i know you want them mm-hmm. um no problem here and hermoka he can't resist he's like immediately just shoving <laughs> these diamonds into his bag yes oh uh, yeah he, he kisses one of them and mm-hmm. meanwhile the gray gorillas are starting to file out there it is kind of creepy at first because they are in the shadows a bit but then mm-hmm. they're 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 actively coming out they're like okay guys we're on this is what we were trained for uh, we did kill all of our trainers, but but this is why we live here. And so, uh, yeah, great shots of gray gorillas creeping in the dark. We see some flashes of their monster faces. And uh, now Homolka has gone too far. He realizes too late that uh, he was too concerned with scooping up diamonds and that death is all around him now. Yeah. And he does have probably the most, one of the most violent deaths we see on screen. Um, mm-hmm. Because, no, the the killer gorillas are not happy about this. Uh, and they they kill him quite violently. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is when the rest of the party is like, oh, wow. Um, there are a lot of these killer gorillas. They're going to kill us all. Um, so they all start getting out their weapons. Uh, they discover a geode, a giant yeah. diamond. Uh, and they also, as they're kind of running away, trying to find a way out, uh, they find Karen's ex, Charlie, amongst a bunch of like other bones and stuff. Uh, and she takes his satellite gun thing mm-hmm. and puts a diamond in it. Right. Oh, and yes. now she has a laser gun. And now she has a laser gun. Yeah. So oh, the, the battle, yeah, the battle continues to rage here. It's uh, soldiers and party members versus killer gray gorillas. Looks like there are deaths on both sides. And um, yeah, we found Charlie, and it seems like the the gorillas are are gaining ground. They're they're killing left and right, and it looks like they're moving in to kill Elliot. And then Amy jumps into the rescue, and she says, "Ugly gorillas, ugly, go away." And this is a nice moment because you kind of expect really like, when this happens, you're like, "Oh no, Amy, they don't know what you're saying. They're not going to listen to you." But the gray gorillas are thrown off on this. They're like, whoa, wait, this is a gorilla, guys. We've got to at least hear, hear her out, or they're at least confused by it. Yeah, I think that's what, I think it's when Rose says, like, they don't know what to make. They don't know what to make of mm-hmm. Amy. <laughs> they're just confused. And herein comes the, one of the best lines 
because Laura Linney, Dr. Karen Ross shows up with this laser gun and uh, she says of the like great killer apes, put them on the endangered species list and then starts shooting them with a beam of blue laser, just like arms flying off, like bodies getting <laughs> cut in half. Uh, and when asked what she's using, she calls it the latest thing in communication. Um, <laughs> It's just wild and ludicrous and absurd. Uh, just this killer gorilla is getting just decimated by a laser. <laughs> yeah, just straight up cut in half by this thing. And then we cut to the outside and the volcano is erupting. And it's it's I, I, I think I laughed at this point because the the footage or the the or the, the the sequence that we see from afar of the volcano erupting is so intense that I felt like well there's no way everyone would just be killed instantly by this thing they're like inside this volcano or inside mm-hmm. the mountain when this level of a volcanic event is taking place but it's a movie volcano so the rules are a little different like lava is not actually hot unless you're in it uh, and other rules like that apply yes and I do think it is a rule uh, in these action adventure movies you gotta have your classic like the set is falling apart at the end like Mm -hmm. everything is collapsing and you've got to get out and so that's what this scene is is very much like you know ground the ground is falling pieces of uh like stone all these structures are falling um we get to see another odd scene of like gorillas jumping in the lava the killer gorillas jumping in to the lava and dying but yeah this is very much that like Oh, we're in the end game now. The entire set is collapsing. <laughs> yep. We also get a see they make it out of the mountain and of course the ground opens up. There's this huge chasm that opens in the earth. And so Karen whips out that laser gun again, uses it to cut down a tree to make a bridge that they all escape over. And meanwhile, the city of Zinj is just crumbling into ruin behind them. Oh, Zinj. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and this brings us to one of my very, very favorite things, because I can't stress enough. They escape via a hot air balloon. Um, yeah. <laughs> and on my uh, rewatch, uh, one too many rewatches, they do hint at this hot air balloon throughout. Yeah, yeah. Because earlier on, they kind of joked with Dr. Ross, like, do you really need a hot air balloon? And she said, no. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> here they are. <laughs> And but, but before that happens, though, she does check back in with Houston, though. Remember, she uh, yes. she gets some gear off of that crash, that second plane. She fixes her satellite system, calls back. And uh, th- this is a nice little sequence where she, she touches base with Travis and she tells him about his son. She's like, yeah, Charles is dead. I have to confirm this. And of course, does Travis say, take a moment to reflect on this? No, he's like, tell me about those diamonds. I want those blue diamonds. Yes, and I mean, he doesn't even ask about the crew because everybody on that plane was working for him. Like, yeah, he, there's so a many line earlier died. where Laura Linney is like, "This is such needless loss of life." But yeah, he's immediately like, "Did you get the diamond?" And she, Laura Linney, she's got a good, cold, <laughs> like calculated face, is realizing this, and she says, "You remember what I told you? If I ever got the hint that you sent me out here for anything other than Charlie, I would make you sorry." And then she does a bunch of techno babble that doesn't make any sense. I'm convinced, but she puts <laughs> in the coordinates of the satellite into this diamond laser gun, and then Presto blows up his very fancy satellite. <laughs> she blows up a satellite. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> 
Yeah, and then she's like, yeah, in transmission, obviously, and uh, yeah. and, and moves on for that. Then they yeah, bust out the balloon. They get in the balloon. And at this point, yeah, it's just what? It's Ross, Elliot, and Kelly. Oh, but before that, Amy goes off into the wild. We finally, it's mm-hmm. a third try. Will the gorillas accept me? Uh, will the silverback gorilla potentially marry me? And uh, yeah, she goes, they say, yeah, come on. And so she moves on to be with uh, the silverback gorilla and his like three other wives. Yes, it was a very touching goodbye between Peter, Dr. Elliot and Amy, who he had been adamant throughout, like this is where she belongs, even though she'd mm-hmm. had these clear signs that it was going to be difficult for her to adapt. And even her mocha was like, this isn't going to work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he, they have this fond farewell. Uh, this is also a very funny part to me where suddenly his shirt is like wide open. <laughs> and I'm like, you were trying. You guys are really trying. Uh, very, very 90s. But yeah, now it's the three. It's Karen, Monroe, and Peter in his hot air balloon floating off. Karen asks Peter to throw away the diamond, uh, which he does. Monroe is not happy about that. Um I did find it interesting that they kind of have this like lovely escape in a hot air balloon, but like their plane had been shot down, like two planes have been shot down. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe these are not questions I should be asking. (laughs) But yeah, that's, I mean, the hot air balloon is what really got me. I was not anticipating that. And there's a lot of things. There was a lot of buildup of like, oh, wow, there's a talking gorilla. Oh, wow, she drinks martini. There's a lot of things I could never have anticipated, Mm -hmm. to be honest. But that was the final thing where I was like, wow, they are escaping the hot air balloon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They take off and they they look at the diamond one last time and then they they throw it over the, the side. Yes. And I think we get another, we get one more shot of Amy who looks happy in her new. Yes. Her new crew. She looks like she's going to live a good life. And that's the end of the movie. That's Congo. <laughs> what a ride. Very what enjoyable ride. What a ride. All right. Well, well uh, Annie, thanks for joining me here on this episode of Weird House. Uh, this was a lot of fun uh, rewatching uh, um, Congo and then discussing it with you here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, again, your, your, uh, your podcasts are Stuff Mom Never Told You and Savor. People mm-hmm. can find those wherever you get your podcast. Have Have you done any movie-related episodes of uh, either of the shows recently? Uh, well, we do once a month. We do Feminist Movie Friday and sometimes Spoiled Saturdays on mm-hmm. uh, Stuff I've Never Told You. We just did, for Savior, we just did Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, it's kind of Ooh, like a nice. Halloween. Because for Savior, we do like foods in, yeah. in fictional properties. Um, so I would recommend that for sure. Excellent. All right. Well, um, yeah, you can find those uh, shows wherever you get your podcast, everyone. And just a reminder that Weird House Cinema uh, is a show on Fridays in the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast feed. We're primarily a science podcast, but on Fridays, we set aside most serious concerns to just talk about a weird film. Uh, If you want to follow the films that we've covered here, I blog about them at samutamusic.com, but also we have a letterboxed account. That's L-E-T-T-E-R-B-O-X-D.com. You can look us up. Our username is Weird House. And uh, there's a list there, and you can see all the films we've done uh, in order. And I'll also include links to where you can listen to them. And also, I'll sometimes go ahead and give you a preview of what's coming up next. Thanks, as always, to Seth Nicholas Johnson for producing the show here and stitching everything together. And if you would like to reach out, uh, and if you have anything to say about Congo, if you have suggestions for the future, well, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Thank you.
Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.